Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun, from car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders. Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe, from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days? How many days a week you spend? As much as I can, to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart-pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else. I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not. So you might as well be here. <laughs> In this week's episode of the Houndsman XP podcast, we're heading back to the river thickets of the Rio Grande. I traveled north to central New Mexico to hang out and chat with Mr. John Rudder. He's a passionate raccoon hunter, he's a passionate cat hunter, and most importantly, he is the president of the New Mexico Houndsman Association, and he helped revitalize the club after the New Mexico Houndsman Association took a brief hiatus. So John was the first uh, raccoon hunter I really got to know, and uh, I got to meet him at one of the UKC night hunts. And after we talked for about 10 minutes, I knew this is the kind of guy I want to have on the Houndsman XP podcast. He's representing hound hunting in the highest levels. He's helping to establish an organization to perpetuate legal hunting of hounds on well-managed game populations throughout the state of New Mexico. And he's boots on the ground. He also was just cool to talk to, and I was laughing a lot and enjoying his company along with all the other members of the New Mexico Houndsman Association. And it was cool to just experience something for the first time that I had never known, which is raccoon hunting at night. And we'll bring up some of that stuff in this episode, but that was two years ago, so there's a lot of cool stuff that's happened since then. And in this episode, you're going to hear me referring to meeting with Fred. If you guys remember, I had the episode with Fred Moore. This was on the same day. Uh, I traveled north to interview these guys, and I just wanted to take a brief moment to recognize our patrons and how much they help this show. It's because of our patrons that allows me to go to places and interview people in person, get this really high definition and uh, authentic footage. And I'm also getting a lot of video footage now, and I'm traveling more for the show. So it's finally happening, guys, and I'm really excited. So to our patrons, thank you so much for helping out the show. 
This is the exact kind of content that we want to bring to you along with the other members of the team that are, uh, Chris is always traveling around getting awesome stuff. So I just wanted to take this moment to make a very special thank you to our patrons of Houndsman XP and all our listeners because we couldn't even be doing this if it wasn't for any of you. But I was fortunate enough to travel north and get these guys in person and it was awesome. I had such a great time and I definitely am going to be doing it more often. I already have been. Stay tuned to our patrons. Check the Patreon page. You're already going to see the videos of who I'm collaborating with and where there's going to be awesome new content coming in. So I'm going to keep this pre-roll as brief as possible. Everybody, thank you so much for your support of Houndswin XP and enjoy this talk with me and Mr. John Rudder. Thanks everybody. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine is the most comprehensive magazine that represents your lifestyle as a houndsman. If you can hunt it with a hound, it is being covered in the pages of Southern Hound Hunting Magazine. You also get an in-depth look at the men and women who are engaged in this lifestyle, living it every day to the fullest. From the Rocky Mountains to the Southern Swamps and across the ocean with articles about our international houndsmen and what they're chasing across the pond. Go to southernhoundhunting.com, get your subscription for $15 a year. Southern Hound Hunting Magazine, promoting the fair chase experience. Welcome to the Hounds on XP podcast. I'm in the heart of New Mexico coon country, the Bosque of north central you'd say central new mexico central new mexico central new mexico my guest today i've been trying to wrangle him for a long time john rudder the president of the houndsman association new mexico houndsman association welcome bud well uh, thank you seth glad to be here today this is uh my first outdoor recording and uh i've stepped up my recording game just a little bit so hopefully my sound quality reflects that <laughs> this yeah, is part of the part of the logistics of uh taking it taking it to the next level to the next level the <laughs> challenges is being outside too yeah. there's all kinds of different variants well this is a great spot though it's quiet it's uh snowing in june yep this is one of the what largest intact in, cottonwood forests in the world yeah in largest world. largest intact cottonwood forest in the world dang yeah well i i just planted three cottonwoods at my house and i'm hoping they're not females oh I yeah i don't want this i have a big one at my house but i think it's a big hybrid and so it doesn't get the cotton on it oh yeah yeah the, yeah the, the, so the males also just put the pollen i'm allergic to so i'm just Pro, like yep. do i take snow or pollen it's it's i don't know it's 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 like a battle either way because then you got all this cotton yeah and or you deal with your allergies and but once right. we get this cotton on the ground then we're dealing with fire hazard i was gonna say is it because this stuff if you would put a match to it i mean it'll just it'll it'll light up and it'll just travel <laughs> you'll just see it go it's it's nuts maybe a good way to get rid of it <laughs> yeah, yeah when i was a kid we used to play with it but it's it's nowadays you just you don't do that kind of thing anyway but well i mean you still can yeah you still <laughs> just, can yeah. and, and in safe conditions <laughs> but that's like a lot of problems we have when especially now in the heat of the year is the uh the fires in the bosky and the way in a way this cotton oh yeah I uh, I actually need to do the same thing. Oh, I left mine in the truck. 
Yep. So sorry. we're down here. We uh, we were going to meet a good friend of ours, Fred Moore, but he got mista- mistaken with the time that we were meeting up. So I actually drove quite a ways to meet you guys up here, but we'll wait till Fred gets back to harass him. He said he's on a important mission. So we'll wait until he gets back and uh, it's good to be up here, man. I love the shade and the trees. It's it's like really so different than what I'm used to. You know. Oh yeah, days. you're down there in southern New Mexico where you got a lot of desert and sunshine. When I imagine <laughs> coon hunting in New Mexico, this is what I imagine. Oh, of course. Pretty much anywhere. Uh, when you think about coon hunting, you pretty much think about good river bottoms yeah. and hardwoods. You know. I went down to the banks of like um, the Caballo Reservoir. Mm-hmm. Nothing there. It oh, was just no. a total, the, the understory was like completely overgrazed, and there's no food. It was like all Siberian elm in there. Oh, yeah, there's nothing for them in yeah. there. Yeah, and so when I came to the houndsman meeting both times, I was just blown away at how much food and like how dense the population is down there. We were striking a track in like 30 seconds when we turned them loose down there. Oh, yeah, that night we were going to an area that had a bunch of uh, mulberries, and then there's adjacent cornfields across the the canal, and uh a lot of coons like to hang out in there because of those food sources. Yeah. And they'll usually follow the food sources up and down the river. So, like, when the mulberries are gone and they're planting corn or something somewhere else, they'll kind of move a little bit and follow the food source back mm-hmm. and forth. So. D- yeah, would you say this is, like, the mecca of New Mexico coon hunting? I would think, yeah, central New Mexico and the Rio Grande Valley is probably the mecca coon hunting in the, I in the state. I couldn't picture a better place in this state that I've seen. I'm pretty well traveled no, in this, New Mexico. I mean, there's some other good spots. There's some good spots. Up in Rio Doso, uh, up in Hamas, yeah, 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 and and they're up along them creeks and tributaries up there, off them campgrounds. There's coons because mm-hmm. people are leaving their trash out, and it brings them mountain coons in. And I wonder if they're like way better fur quality. I mean, it's in the winter time. They're furred up way better than we get these raccoons furred up down here in the in the Bosque. These are like definitely this scraggly desert coons <laughs> yeah and the, 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 the summer now with the heat just like anything they kind of their coats yeah. kind of you know get scraggly and in the winter time and there's some pretty good boars i think biggest boar i've probably seen is he, he was probably about 38 pounds and he was a big big coon and it was probably december when we caught him and he was furred up really really nice <laughs> Like 30. a mount, mount-worthy raccoon, you know? My Saluki weighs 48 pounds. Yeah, well, the hounds that caught him weighed, like, 40 pounds. Oh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, man, I've got ahead of myself. John, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us how old you are and how long you've been running hounds and a little bit about yourself. All right. My name's John Rudder. I'm, a, I'm 51 years old. I've been running hounds now faithfully for, like, the past four years, I would say. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Oklahoma. I was born in Texas, and we had a ranch in Oklahoma and some property in Texas. And my, I stayed with my grandparents. They're more or less my mother and father. And uh, my travel all over with my grandpa. We'd go rodeo, and he had he had pit bulls and and coon hounds. He had just black and tans and blue ticks, walkers, whatever you name. And he had a a breed of blue pit bulls. And when I was growing up, we'd walk them riverbanks in Oklahoma, and and he'd hunt them dogs and. I experienced a lot of coon hunting when I was growing up and running hounds. And as I got older and got into high school, well, you know how things progress. You kind of get out of certain things, mm-hmm. you know, that they tried to instill in you when you were young. And you lose those values. And I just came back in a later point in my life. And I decided, you know, this, this is what I love. And, and I need to support these dogs and, and what they do. Yeah. And the people that do hunt with dogs and, and try to 
make a positive image for everybody, you know? When you got back into hound hunting, what was your first dog's name? Boomer. Oh, first okay. dog was Boomer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I got back into it, and I got him from a, a dude in the East Mountains, uh, uh, Mr. Mendez. He was a friend of mine. We had done a TV show together. We were on the Pursuit Channel for a while, and uh, he turned me on to my first dog. And then after that, I mean, it just... I'm I'm obsessed again. Yeah. And who I know these they're they're not cheap and neither are the gear to run them and yeah. so man I'm in 100%. <laughs> yeah. You I gotta have be, I know. have six hounds now and and they're all doing real good and and we're having a good time doing what we do. You you um you run Jacks, right? Yeah, so I have Jack. She was uh she had won the Arizona State Championship. She's with under David Anderson who was her previous owner. That's right. And Mr. Anderson had a uh, passed away due to some uncertain, some unfortunate events. And uh, he was asked, he had asked a friend of mine to uh, find that dog a good home, somebody would hunt her. Mm -hmm. And she found her way to me. And uh, so she's pretty, been much my best dog that I have. You and got a she, lot of she, highlight reels through Jack. Oh yeah, and she trains, <laughs> she trains my other hounds for me and, and we all work together as a team. And then I have a, a blue tick that's yeah, out of, that's out of Van Johnson blood and bigger staff hounds from up in northern New Mexico, and uh, she's coming along real good. She's she's two years old now, and and she's she's really cat minded. Um, uh, she she really likes to hunt the cats. She mm. not too much interested in a coon. She just kind of hangs out. But it's it's neat because I can run these walkers and they'll go tree coons. And then when we hit a cat, that blue tick lets them all know. And boy, we're we're off on a nice Is race. Is the bobcat population pretty good down here? It's pretty decent. The bobcat population is pretty decent. I mean, they're they're spread out just like any other cats would be, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, but once in a while, when you hit that good track, they always give you a good race, man. And and it's when you get to the tree, it's that reward of seeing that cat up there is, is pretty nice. And and then we just will tree and free them most, you know, eighty five percent of the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite part about sin hound hunting. Seriously. Yeah. Is it? I mean, you could seriously run the same animal multiple times in reality. In reality, yes. You Catch can the same free and free and, and let them go to chase another day. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, when mine succeed, it's over. You know what I mean? So that, that's kind of a, I guess there's ups and downs to everything. but. And we'll pick up this interview right after a word from one of our sponsors. Dakota 283 offers you unparalleled protection for your hounds. We're talking about military-grade kennel crates. Uh, I got got one of these two-door kennel crates here at the house. It is super heavy-duty. It's got slap latches on it that are stainless steel. Easily fits in the back of an SUV, or if you're traveling with a camper shell, it's a great way to keep your dog protected while you are traveling. You just got to check out their Dash Series. This is a watering system, and I've used a lot of these portable waterers over the years, but this system is all integrated into one unit and the way it's designed out of high impact plastic the water stays in the tank when you're not using it because you can put a plug in it check them out uh, the 3.5 is also compact enough that i can store it behind the seat of my pickup truck while i'm out hunting when it's super cold i've had exterior tanks before and as soon as i go to cold climates then i've got to figure out how i'm going to get water to my hounds and the dash takes care of that so check out dakota 283 at dakota283.com and at checkout enter the code hxp10 and get 10 percent off of your order 
Now, I wanted to lay this down to the listeners. Like, when you think of New Mexico, everyone thinks of southern New Mexico, like the dunes and the mesquites and the desert. But this is like very thick cottonwood forests. And so it's predominantly a cottonwood overstory that's really thick. And then you have like a invasive mulberries and like Siberian elms. Well, yeah, and salt cedars yeah. and just a bunch of different stuff growing on and there. And the understory is super, super thick. To like the Midwestern and Eastern listeners that are coon hunting, I mean, they know what thick is all about. Uh, nice, thick, cottonwood, hardwood forest. I mean, there are spots where you get treed up and you're, you're belly crawling to them trees yeah. to, get to, oh, yeah. to, to get to your dogs. My first you know? meeting, when I came... I was, that was when I first met Fred. Yep. He's a hoot. And I was on my knees behind an 80-year-old man, like, crawling through crawling the forest. Crawling through the forest. Well, and, I remember that night we were down in a big salt cedar thicket yep. just just south of where we're at right now. The first, the only thing that was going through my mind as we were crawling on my hands and knees was, please don't let there be a rattlesnake. You know? <laughs> I was yeah. crawling and I was like, at least, this, at least Fred will hit it first. Yep. You know what I mean? At least he's that. He'll hit it first. We don't oh, have them yeah. too bad, really, and... Where we're located here in central New Mexico, once you get a little bit, just like, say, Bernardo, New Mexico, over there, once you get to that point, then you start seeing them. So you don't see snakes in here very often? No rattlesnakes. I haven't seen a rattlesnake from Bernardo to Albuquerque and God knows how many years. You run in the summer too, right? I run in the summer. I go out and run from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m., or nine, depending when the weather gets hot. Dang, and no snake. And no, we never run into any snakes. The only snakes we run into are bull snakes and yeah. uh, king snakes. Well, good. Yeah, those are our friends. Those are our friends. <laughs> yeah, those exactly. eat the rattlers. Which good. It's good to have them because then you seeing them, you know there probably ain't too many rattlers around. We were hunting the river in Las Cruces with Lauren, and I was. It's December, so no snakes. But of course, first thing we hit, javelina. Oh yeah. And they'll get a dog. So I mean, just lightning quick yeah she was torn to shreds you know what i mean you got them in here oh yeah well the javelina usually hang out a little bit more south from here and uh so you're in a good spot (laughs) yeah we're in a good spot i mean just because probably the the population of people and stuff in the village probably keeps them javelina away from here a little bit yeah but they usually like to hang out a little south of here probably 20 miles and then now right where they had that recent fire the Mm -hmm. the cemetery fire uh, that area was thick, thick with javelinas and a bunch of wildlife. And what it oh, has yeah. done is it's pushed them. So now in Berlin, I was out the other day and I was finding javelina tracks mm-hmm. all over. Found some elk tracks, and I never see those animals usually yeah, for ourselves. So but that fire elk. just yeah. So yeah, and I don't, I don't like them javelina either. I kind <laughs> of avoid that area when I'm especially at night because I mean they're really active at night, and then. You know, I've had a couple of friends charged by them boars, and, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. Do the and dogs, like, break themselves pretty good quickly off of them because they are so, like, dangerous? I mean, they'll just tear a dog up. Or, or do they, because Lauren's hound came back just slinking all terrified. I mean, I'm sure she got drilled in the dark by one that didn't really know what happened. Some dogs are more greedy than others, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, other course. dogs get more intimidated and maybe come back, but. You know, and then those dogs that are gritty like that, I like they like to pull fur, so they'll yeah. be the ones in there. I knew, I knew, um, I knew her dogs were gonna go after him because she's never, they've never seen him before, oh, and yeah. they're like this smelly little thing that's not very fast and makes like a bunch of noise. You know what I mean? I knew they were gonna lock onto him instantly. And yeah. I was with Brett Vaughn. Oh yeah. And I remember when they struck the track and they were pushing the track and they were treed and then they went quiet. And they were treated again, like a, like a tenth of a mile later. Yeah. 
Brett looked at me and he kind of cocked his eyebrow and he's like, I bet they're on Havelina right now. Because they'd push the herd and bay it in a and little bay spot. Up. Yeah, yeah, bay and, it up in a pocket somewhere in there. And then break it apart and yeah. keep moving. And then that's exactly what happened. She came back with a huge just oh, bummer, man. right through her. But she was fine. I mean, she wanted to keep hunting. Tough yeah. dog. She wanted, yeah, that's all heart. They, yeah. you got to stop them. Or they'll they'll hunt themselves till they hurt themselves for you. Dude, my you know? dogs will run till they die. Oh yeah, my <laughs> dogs will do the same thing. They'll yeah. they'll run till they die for me, and and you know we just can't let that happen. There. Yeah, well, you got to be their brakes. Oh yeah, you got to be their brakes. You got to like mine. I I make them get in the river and the ditch after every tree just to cool down, especially in the summertime. Yeah. And and then we play some water sports, and then we'll load up and head on out. And come That's home. one thing I wish I could do is I don't have any water. Yeah. There's no prairie. And, oh, yeah. there's no water on the prairies out uh, there. Yeah. That's what's nice here because we just if the river's dry, we got water in the canal. Mm-hmm. And, Mm-hmm. So at least there's always something. There's always water to keep them hydrated besides the tank I carry around, you know? Yeah, dude, your box is sick. Thank you. Did you build it? No, a friend uh, a friend of mine, Ryan Wood, built that. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I want to have him on the show. I actually just texted him like two days ago saying I'm hunting. With, I, well, he texted me, and he's like, you know, what are you doing this fall? And I was like, hunting with you, dude. Like, oh, yeah, cool. Let's go put some bears up. Ryan's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. dude, he Ryan's seems so a good cool. guy. Yeah. If he built that box, I think I'm going to. Yeah, he built that box. He, does, he has a metal fabrication business, and he has a bunch of different kinds of things and he built that custom box for me which is pretty nice i mean it's gonna last me the rest of my life i, oh, yeah. I don't need another box i got one of those folding um like fold down soft toppers for my tacoma because i wanted to like i was like i'll use it as a box and i'll use it for like camping yeah dude those things suck oh yeah i want yeah. one of those justin my buddy justin has one and yeah. he lets me borrow his that fits in his tacoma it fits in mine they're so much better they're so nice oh my god they're so nice. Your dogs are safe and contained, yeah. and and it's easy to transport them. And, and once they get trained, I mean, they just jump in. Yeah, and tell oh yeah. Them to, you know? And that's easy too, because once they realize that's the fun stuff, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They're they just, don't have you, no sweat. Yeah, just I just let them out in the mornings, and they all run and jump in the truck. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's I love it, man. You said you had six now. Yeah, right? I have six. Yeah, I have like a boomer. I got a blue tick. I got I have jacks, and then uh, I bred jacks. It was actually an accidental breeding. I had bred jacks with uh, with uh, a dog, another Western Lone Pine Walker from uh, a friend of mine, Scott Michael, uh, Rio, and we have pups. So I kept uh, one of those pups, and she's doing really good on coon. She's going to be a strictly competition coon dog. Nice. She hasn't been under nothing else, and she's only hunted solo and with her mom. I don't let her run in the pack. Gotcha. And then... Uh, I ended up rescuing a pup that was mine because I deal with a lot of rescues and stuff in the state when hounds are abandoned or turned in and we try to find them homes. Right. And this one just happened to be one of my pups and it just brings the whole reality back around to you like, wow, you know, you see all these other dogs this way and it doesn't hit home until it's your dog right. that you bred. And then you realize, wow, you know, she was in bad shape, but I got her back now, and she, she's she's doing good. She don't hunt or nothing. I think she's just going to be a, a pet. Yeah. You know? She, we all got some of those. I tried to get her going and show her, and she's just not really into it, but she's a good, good dog. And I got two of those pets from, from her. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's over here on the other table and just hanging out on the phone. We're going to go check out some cool geography after this. So I, she's like, let's go together. I was like, yeah, we'll go get covered in cotton and you can listen to me blabber about dogs. And then we'll go bake in the desert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we're going to Joshua Tree next week for her birthday. Oh, how it's going to cool. be like 120. You That's going to be cool. Though. Yeah, it was 121 in Arizona yesterday. Oh, my God. I know. That's the thing that, man, like I, when I was a kid, I used to love summer because it's no school. 
Yeah. Now I hate summer because there's no dogs. Yeah, there's no dogs. You can't do anything in that heat anyway. It's too hot. You get home. I mean, in the wintertime, you could always put more on. When the summer, you can never take enough off. I can only get so naked until I get arrested. That's right. (laughs) Until it becomes illegal. (laughs) I feel like if you were running around naked in the Bosque, no one would even flinch at you, though. No, because the homeless people do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you got to break your dogs off of, is treeing a hobo. Yeah, treeing the hobo. Yeah, that's what surprised me, is when we were down in the Bosque, everyone was just talking about how you'll just come up on a camp of them, or like, they'll just come skittering out of the bushes. Yeah, they'll come skittering out of the bushes or, or they, they have structures built in the woods now and they're like they have their own little homes built and some of them are pretty extravagant i mean there's one in bosky farms i believe that it uh it's got like three rooms and a hallway and it's got a fire pit dug inside of it and has benches made out of cottonwood stumps they got like an old school hibachi grill in there what? with charcoal I mean, I can and, and water jugs, and you know, you go in there at night. You think they'd be in there, and you just say, "Hey, hello," and nobody answers or nothing. But yet, somebody just poured water on the fire, and it's smoking, and they're still wet on the ground. Yeah, they just went and hid in the forest. That's so crazy. And, and I mean, this is a big area. You oh, know, it's, it's, it's a large thin, area, but it's like super yeah. long. It's super long. Gross. Yeah, it's <laughs> super long. We're talking. Maybe at the most, at some spots, maybe a half a mile wide, and that's pushing it on some spots. And then yeah. mainly the Rio, the actual forest is probably, I'd say, six, seven hundred yards, maybe a thousand yards from one side to the other. Yeah. But it's like, but it's like what, a thousand miles? miles long from one <laughs> state to the other in the state, in the area we hunt, it's like, we got like a 25, 30 mile stretch. That's what I thought. It was like a thousand yards wide by like. 30 miles yeah yeah i mean that's the thing like lauren hunts in 10 acres Can oh you yeah imagine that yeah they, she probably has a lot more coon population yeah and the conditions are probably a little bit better for she her too as well as so far as moisture and coolness because like well our dogs are good at catching these dry ground raccoons dusty dry ground coons when we get a little bit of moisture and we come out, it's a whole different ball game out here. I mean, it's, it's, they're on fire. And other than that, it's running this dusty river. Yeah, you know? and that's the thing, too. Even though it's like a super luscious forest for our standards, the ground is still dust. Yeah, it's so dry. It's, it's so, so dry. dry. And this year's horrible. Oh, yeah, this year's bad. This 2018, 19, and 20, or uh, 18, 19, 20, and now shaping up to be 21 are like some of the driest years on record. Yeah, well, last year, the stretch of the real ground dried up completely. There was no water in it at all. And, I mean, uh, yeah. the do they bug, divert a lot of it in the canal on the side? <clears throat> they do for irrigation purposes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, they divert a lot, but then usually it'll irrigate in them fields and the residue, residue, residue water will drain back into the drainages and they call it drain back into the river at a certain point, you nice. know, so. Good, clean water. Good, coming, clean Coming water. through fields. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like a, a, the Game of Fish puts out like a report. That's talking about like fish, like how safe they are to eat. Oh yeah, you can only eat like five or six trout yeah. per year. If they're caught. less than like an inch, I mean, if they're less than like a foot long, or you can only eat like, like five. That. They yeah. say like anything over six inches past uh, Elephant Butte is like inedible because of the mercury, mercury. and mm-hmm. the PCBs, like mine yeah. runoff yep. and stuff. Yep. Mmm, delicious. Yeah, bad. And delicious. I see people with like white bass, and they'll eat like they'll like catch like thirty of them when they're running, yeah. and just have like a fish fry. And oh, I'm like, yeah. you're gonna become. Like mercury, your body's going to be you like keep quicksilver blood. Yeah, we keep doing it. That's that's what will happen. So let me ask you a question because I, I always think about this. I, I coon hunted 
I coon hunted with Lauren in the south, and it's all irrigation ditches with reeds. There's no trees. Yeah. So we couldn't tree him any. If you had to hunt anywhere in the United States, where would you want to hunt coons? Oh, boy. I don't know. I'd think something like Nebraska, Oklahoma, maybe. Why? Something like that. I heard that. Indiana's good. Maybe Indiana as well. Just I don't know. Just because the, <laughs> the population of coons is just so much greater. Yeah. And, and the conditions are so much, are so good, you know, for all kinds of different reasons as a far like here we'll like on a ukc hunt for for example we'll go out and do a night cast and we'll cast our dogs and they'll tree and if we were in indiana we could leash our dogs up pull them off that tree walk 50 yards away and and recast them yeah here we got to go back to the truck we got to drive you know a half a mile away and then we do our second cast. And it's like that for every tree just because they're sparse. Yeah. They're so spread out. It's a lot more natural bosky. densities. Yes. That's like Lubbock is like the holy grail of running dogs. I mean, you've got extremely dense, artificially um, propagated populations of jackrabbits. I mean, they're just everywhere. There's fields you can't run because there's too many jackrabbits. They'll oh, split yeah. your pack up. And then it's like perfect ground because it's all been manicured. All the rocks are gone. It's level for fields and stuff. So I always kind of like to ask people where they think like it would be the most perfect place ever. But I like New Mexico because it's pretty diverse. Yes, me too. I love it here because of its diversity. And you run more than just coons. Yeah, I run, I choose to run coons and cats. Lions and bobcats. Lions and bobcats. Yeah. Yeah, I won't run them on bear. I just. Bears put too many holes in your dogs, and I just, mm. I don't like holes in my dogs. So yeah, you got to have a big pack to get that done successfully. Plus, you run a pretty big pack. I've run a couple of my dogs with some bear dogs before, and we've put up some bears when they were pretty young, and that's the only experience they have with them. But mm-hmm. other than that, it's just been strictly the middle Rio Grande Valley and in the Bosque, and I hardly ever go to the mountains or any forested areas. I can In this Bosque, I could find anything that's anywhere yeah. else. Yeah, I mean, this is... I mean, amazing habitat. Yeah, you'd be surprised. You'd be actually be surprised what what you find in here. There's elk in here. Oh yeah, yeah there's there's big herds of elk in here. There's there's whitetail. There's mule deer, it, bears, coons. So, do you have problems with a lot of trash races in here, or is it pretty? Mm, my dogs are pretty broke off the trash. I mean, I only worry about the coyotes at night. Really? Yeah. I mean, they will they harass your pack. They kind of come into the tree a little bit, and they'll stand off in the distance and bark and yeah, howl at us and bark yeah. and howl. And, and my dogs will just stay treed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and other than that, I mean, we've all learned our lessons, and the best way learned is the hard way. So, I yeah. mean, a couple of my dogs have tangled with porcupines. We have a lot of porcupines in the bosky. Mm. Skunks. I mean, every, every houndsman goes through those trials. We got skunked. You know, yeah, I mean, I've had my fair share of skunks, man. And there's been plenty of nights where my wife had told me, nope, you're you're staying in the doghouse tonight. (laughs) Dog sleep outside those nights. Yep. And so so they've learned. And now that they're more mature and come along, they they don't trash out on me. So tell me about uh, your experience in the New Mexico Houndsman Association. Well, the Mexico Houndsman Association, believe it or not, we're here where it all began. We had a first meeting that I organized three years ago, and I was voted in president. Um, uh, anyway, I don't know, I had met this old man, Fred Moore, Mr. Fred Moore, and I was bow fishing on the ditch, and we were bow fishing carp. We were taking, uh, we were taking the carp out of the ditches because they're just destroy everything and all the game fish, yeah. and it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Uh, I'd always run into that guy on the river, and he was always running his dogs, running his dogs. And then shortly after I met him was with 
Mr. Mendez gave me my first dog, Boomer. I was like, well, that's, I need to get back into that. I mean, I remember doing that with my grandfather, and uh, those were some good times. And so uh, I got that dog, and then, well, me and Fred just kind of hit it off. And we started talking about how he'd been a New Mexico Houndsman Association since, like, 1966, and, and uh, how they've had their trials and tribulations and good years and bad years and how they used to do really good. And, and after I got Boomer... Fred and I, we start talking a lot more, talking a lot more, and he asked me to get a meeting, make get a meeting going and try to get this club. It was kind of seen as a raccoon club at that point in time, right. you know, because most a lot of guys in New Mexico run big games, so they don't have UKC dogs or AKC dogs. Most of them are mixed breeds. Mm -hmm. Most most big game dogs are mixed breeds here in New Mexico right. anyway. Yeah. If you and ask any of them, which I have, they're just like, oh, they're New Mexico specials. New Mexico, yeah, I got two of them, Boomer and and the and the Blue Tick are New Mexico specials. They're Boomer's a, a red bone and walker, and Chloe the blue tick is a walker and, and blue tick. Yeah. And the rest of them are all papered UKC lone pine dogs. Which they need to be to be competing, right? They're, for the UKC events, yeah, they have to be That's right. a registered dog. And the poor boy hunts are the ones you can run mixed dogs, right? Yeah, and the poor boy hunts, any any great dog can can come and run gotcha. and, and, gotcha. and join in the fun. So you you got you and Fred got together and kind of wanted to revitalize it. The, had the club kind of gone dormant? Yeah, it kind of gone dormant for pretty, just, pretty much just like stagnant, like a stagnant pond nothing was happening and and so I, he asked me to organize a meeting to see if we could get it going again so I organized a meeting here at the at the park in Las Lunas and we had a pretty good turnout and some strange odd reason I was voted in president of the Houndsman <laughs> Association you were young and excited I was young and excited and it was new and you know I, I dealt with tv and stuff and this was just kind of right up my alley a little mm -hmm. bit and so I was honored. I took it on. I had my doubts, and but I have my goals as well. And I'd like to make my goal is to make not just a coon club. We need the New Mexico Houndsman Association. Is we support all sporting dogs. Yeah. Not just hounds. We support your coursing hounds. We support your bird dogs. Everybody. We got to be a voice for all them working dogs out there that we all enjoy to run and yeah. and be out in the field with and and hunt with that we just have done for, for centuries and centuries. Yeah. And that's you the know? thing too. Is like I think. Especially in New Mexico, it's so we're such a sparsely populated and spread out population that a lot of there's not a lot of people would just prefer to hide up in the woods and yeah. just forget the issues that can be happening. But I mean, you guys are face, battling closures along this river constantly. Oh yeah, constantly. There's always something going on down here in the Bosque, really, really anywhere right now in the state. The closer state, you get to Crucis and the closer you get to Albuquerque, the more battles we'll be facing. The more battles we'll be facing, yeah. Yeah, they're just trying to take it from us. I mean, back in, in the 60s when a club was founded, you used to be able to run this river from, geez, Cochiti all the way to Elephant Butte. And at the reservation, you'd go to the res and you would get a permit for five bucks. That's 400 miles roughly, yeah. Yeah. And you would buy a permit off a res for $5, and you could hunt all the reses. And you could literally drive from Cochiti all the way to Elephant Butte hunting raccoons. Dang. Yeah, there's good coursing on the res, too. Some oh, yeah. That probably has some great spots. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Just, um, like, on the west side of the highway. Oh, yeah. Over here? Yeah. Up Highway 6? Yeah, it gets nice and flat out there. There's some good spots Perfect. out there. Oak. Great coyote hunting out there, too, in some oh, places, bet. man dogs too <laughs> yeah the dogs. There, there there's feral dogs out there oh no no using dogs. <laughs> so like um so so you you guys got the club going what you said four years ago five years ago uh about about three years this is my third year as president yeah 
Yeah. So you, uh, I, I saw you guys had like some booths up at some like sporting, like yeah, we did uh, gatherings, outdoor gatherings. Yeah, two years ago before the world shut down, yeah, we had a uh, we did the game and fish sports and sportsmen's expo at the uh, state fair, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a booth there just to promote the Houndsman Association and get some new membership signed up, and we had brought out a bunch of dogs. Brought out Jax, who's a New Mexico State champion, and everybody. We brought out different breeds, it's and we're pretty good hit there. Yeah. And uh, we were asked back, and then, well, you know, everything happened, and yeah. the COVID hit, and so they didn't have it. But I'm looking forward. Hopefully, they'll have it again this next year, and we'll be out there. And, I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, I want to. I want to add the. Yeah, I want to try to add more inclusion to the club. You know what I mean? Yeah. And get more people in the South activated. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, definitely. Where Where would you say the majority of our membership is here? North, oh, Central. Yeah, well, we got members from like Washington D.C., like Washington State. Oh, wow. We we remember they support us from all over the country. That's great. But most of the local members, I mean, it's pretty spread out throughout the state. I mean, as far as the majority of the coon hunters go, we're pretty much right here. Yeah. Located in Central New Mexico. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's where I'd be. Yeah. I was surprised at how like not poor, but. Okay, yeah, poor quality, but it wasn't lame. I had a good time with Lauren, but man, it's just like you can't tree a coon. And I yeah. want to see two looking down. It's just you catch them in the reeds and yeah. you just hear the bay up in the reeds. You can't see you anything. You can't see nothing, no action going on. Yeah. It was cool, though, because you can just road along the side of the creek. Yeah, or ro- road oh, along yeah. The side of the That's canal. I'll road right down the canal road yeah. in and the morning. Just, just dump them out and I'll road them and. And they'll check every little trail. Yeah. And when they hit that hot trail, boom, they dump into the bosky and you just turn off the truck and sit there and listen to the sweet music and wait till they tree up. That's what it always blows my mind, especially in that boss case, how they're moving so quickly through there in pitch black. I mean, they're just navigating that bike. It's so dark in there. Even on yeah. a moon, a moony, like moon filled night. It's still dark. The canopy is so thick that it just like filters through the leaves. Yeah. And it's amazing that they can run through there. Yeah, all that undergrowth so, oh. and, and downfall. and Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And they, they cover ground like you wouldn't believe, you know. It's, it is. It's, just, it's amazing. I mean, I know about covering ground. And even still, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother. I don't know how they don't get, like, you know, st- stuck and impaled. That's what always kind of blew my mind the most. So, so once in a while, they'll get some pretty good little jabs from sticks and stuff on yeah. them or good scuts and scrapes, but... I mean, thankful most of the majority of the time they're all right. You know, the only time I worry about them getting really jabbed or stuck with a stick or something is when they're in a dog box mm. and they got their heads out of the box. And I'm driving down some little road mm-hmm. and then I worry about, oh, their eyes or uh, these going to smack them in their nose. That's all we need to do is lose a nose. <laughs> 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 then they'll become true sight hounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. You, when do you so I, I like to pick every houndsman's brain kind of a similar way because I like to see the diversity of answers but like when do you like to start your pups out here when how old do they I I'll, I'll usually keep my pups in uh I'll start starting them when they're probably about six months old you drag and then you I'll, just... I'll start doing drags and start teaching them to tree when they're when they're like you know I don't know, 12, 15 weeks when they're still pups. I'll start just doing little drags, playing with the coontail. Yeah. I'll put spray on the coontail or, or, or bobcat scent or something on it, whatever I kind of want them to kind of do. Mm, focus on And I'll just play them with that coontail and I'll play with it or a stuffed animal I'll use and give them a stuffed animal. And then I'll get them to where I, uh, I'll keep them in the side pen of my house and I'll make a little scent trail yeah. with Vienna sausages. 
and uh, and then I'll bury a little Venus sausage in the ground, <laughs> and then I'll let them grow, and that teaches them to use their little noses, and they'll, and they'll find those Vienna sausages. And then when I make that transition onto the uh, scent, and then they learn how to drag and tree at home, and then when I bring them out to the forest, well, I just I let them go with my more mature and experienced dogs, and they just kind of pick it up and learn yeah. as they go. It blew know? me away how important that is. to They have to hunt with their elders. That's that's a uh, I think that's a big success key right there. Is you have a good training hound, a good hound that you can use as a trainer. It it helps all the younger dogs come along so much because I mean we're a team. We're all a team. Oh yeah. And you can only do so much as their handler for them. Yep. You know you can't. You can put them on track. You could try to if they get off of it, you can bring them back and try to line them back out. But that's they're not going to get that experience like they have running with that more mature dog. Dog speak dog. Exactly. That's what I heard from an we old We just timer. think we speak dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, you know, like with my hounds, I thought I could give them like the best training, the you know, the, the best pep talks, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. believe in them. What I, and they, they could go out there and catch the tough hairs. But really, honestly, they, they got to learn from their elders. Yeah. Because with a hair, at least, I, I mean, again, this episode's really a beginner centric because I'm not really that familiar with coon hunting. But yeah. You got to learn to catch a hair. You just got to never give up. Yeah. And, and pups will. That's all it is: is determination yeah. and heart. And, it's so and hard, and they're so fast that if you can get tired, but if you just keep pushing it, you can. Eventually, you can, it'll happen. It can, yeah. And yeah. then when it happens, they turn on for you. Yeah. You know. And when they see an adult do it, yeah, they're like, "Oh, if I just that's running. what I'm supposed to be doing." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they run so much better when they when they have that example for them. And then I swear, once they get a couple caught. They just get better instantly. Yeah, and then once their confidence builds more they and more, in themselves. that's once they believe in themselves and they get that confidence built up, and yep. they're just unstoppable, man. They'll, they'll 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 hunt their hearts out for do you. you. Do you like starting pups, or do you like having done adults? I like starting my own dogs. Yeah, I like training dogs. I'm not I'm not in it to buy dogs and run other dogs that have been trained. I like to train my own dogs. Yeah, me too. Yeah, right. you know, I used to think I enjoyed just having finished dogs because you can just go load up. Let's go. Let's go catch one. You yeah. know what I mean, but I think. It has become quite rewarding to, and I, I haven't even started my own line either. You know what I mean? Oh, One yeah. of these days, I'm gonna have my own lineage, and I imagine that's really prideful as well. You know, I'm, I'm still kind of blazing this trail. I'm just super fortunate to have started on like a cannon, cannonball of a cannonball and a good solid foundation. Yeah, you know. Yes, and meeting all these people. You know, oh being yeah, fortunate definitely. Enough to interview people like you and Fred and and people like Dean and David, all these people that are super knowledgeable, and I get to hear these really diverse. Um, like opinions and stuff and yeah. everyone has there's a lot of good core value knowledge in there but everyone has a bit of a tweak to their style everybody's got their own way of doing things you just kind of grasp a little bit from here and there and yeah. here and there and you just incorporate it see into and see what works for you and yeah. apply it to what you think will work on your best needs and the way you hunt everybody yeah. hunts differently exactly exactly and you know the thing about coon hunting that i was I don't know if I love it or hate it yet, but it's the late nights. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's especially in the summertime. It's late, late nights. Oh. You know, and and the in the in the fall and the winter, I mean, it gets dark at five o'clock. Mm -hmm. You can come out at six o'clock in the evening, and you'll be back home at nine, and you've already had enough fun for the night. You see, what I'm saying winter's just better. Yeah, <laughs> and there's no leaves on the trees. They're yes. so much easier to spot. I, exactly. That's the thing. We when we came out last time, so we, I came to the New Mexico Houndsman Association's meeting. Uh, was it like? We had like a, a month ago? Yeah, three about weeks a month ago, ago like or something. And, man, we were slamming. The dogs were doing awesome, but you just can't see a thing. You couldn't see them. It, they're just so thick. The cottonwoods yeah, are crazy. The cottonwoods are crazy. They're so thick at the leaves, and, and once they get up into that 
taller branches and off them, you, you can't spot them at yeah. all. And Squall do everything you can, and they you still can't spot them. Yeah, so I'm still I've still yet to see two looking down. We'll get you out here in October for another event. And that's what Lauren told me to come in November to where she's from, and she yeah. said we'll definitely see October, some. November, yeah. December. Those yeah, those you know great. the hard part is peeling me away from my dogs. Yeah, <laughs> I have the same problem. Too I have as. all these plans to go traveling and go doing all this stuff, and then every weekend I'm hunting. You know, I I want to go with Brett yeah. on his mules. That's like that'd next. be great. Oh my god, that'd be great. That dude's so next level. Yeah, he, <laughs> dude, uh, he's like riding mules for days straight, catching lions that take like. I three think days. he's one of the better line hunters in the state. He well, dry is so ground, humble, better never... dry ground line hunters in the state, I should say. And I, I really like that guy's style. He's so humble too. You would Maybe, never. I'd be honored to meet meet Brett one of these dude, days. Dude, he's a beast. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I I told her, but if. I think the way things are kind of going, the trend is that the desert grasslands are shrinking rapidly. Yeah. The rain is becoming, I mean, we're just getting more intense droughts, higher surface temperatures. The, the grass is dying. The shrubs are invading. If I don't move to continue coursing, then I think I'm going to try getting into that, that yeah. dry ground lions. But man, like, I mean, Brett started later in life, so I know it can be done. Oh, anything but you got to go done. in two feet. Because as I mean, as all the houndsmen know, listening, this is not a this is not a lifestyle you can just do willy nilly. Especially oh, no. that you got to cannonball in and commit, and then just go for it. There ain't no turning back. Lots and, of yeah, lots of expenditure. You got to work your butt off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just the keeping the mules going too. Oh, I'm sure. And the huge pack. I'll tell you that I don't know if my dogs will be inside dogs if I have that many. No, I don't know if I, I want that many in the house. <laughs> most houndsmen keep them outside. I keep I keep two inside, and then the other four stay outside. I got uh, all mine inside. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> it happens. You know, it's like uh, they're quiet. Yeah. And they're not like dirty ever, so I don't really care. But they're not. I don't like them in the bedroom. Oh yeah. But I I mean I'm not gonna act like it's all her. It, I love their little faces following me around. Oh yeah. You know, and they're like my little buddies. Of course. The sighthounds are so lazy and quiet. They sleep like 20 hours a day. Well, so do the coonhounds. Yeah. I mean, that, well, it's a dog's life. I mean, most dogs sleep like that. But the coonhounds, too, the, the ones I keep inside, they're just like couch hounds, man. Yeah. And and they don't want to just lazy and, oh, the mailman will get up and go bark at him and want to come back in and lay down and sleep. Yep, yep. And But once you get them out in the woods, or once I put the GPS collar on them, oh, it's, yeah. you, they can't contain themselves. Yep, exactly. You can you get know? my hounds up, which routinely we do, get them up 3, 4 in the morning to hit to get to the prairie by dawn. And yep. Let's mine, do it. mine in the mornings already know. Oh, he gets up at 3.30, and so they're already going, oh, yeah. in the yard. Oh, it's time Your to go play. neighbors are like, hey, John's up. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Is that a, laughs> I'm fortunate to have some, some good neighbors. <laughs> oh, good, good, yeah. I'm lucky I have no neighbors. <laughs> yeah, even, yeah, that's, that'd be great, even better. But, yeah, I'm yeah. lucky. They like the dogs. They say my dogs warn them when people come around or whatever. Sure. I'm like, well, dang cat in the alley, you know. <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning is no fun, but yeah, yeah, that's that's the truth. Be told that is the number one reason my dogs sleep in the house at night in their kennels. Yeah. In their, I have a kennel room for them. If you wake me up at two in the morning barking, 
I'm gonna go beat you down. Like I just can't. I'll go fly into a rage. So yeah, I'm happy yeah, they just sleep in their cages inside, nice and, and content. Yeah, yeah, quiet. And then I let them out in the mornings, and they go do their thing. Oh yeah. They spend most of the day outside just hanging out. Unless it's a, it was 116 at my house. Man, last week. that's something else. And so they were, uh, they were kicking it on the couch. Oh they, sure. They wouldn't even when I, I have a so my kennel room can be shut where they can't get into the main house, yeah. but they can go through the doggy door. I let them all. I kicked them all out, and they were all just in the kennel room because it's like 75 in there. Yeah, it's so much better than outside. Yeah. Oh man, it's it's rough. I'm I got I'm lucky. I got big two big elm trees over the top of my kennel, so the dogs in the back get a lot of shade all day long. And it's got to be 15 degrees cooler down here in the Bosque than it is up in the desert up there, though. Oh yeah, you could feel the difference. Oh, you could feel I'm it. Not even sweating. Like, yeah, up there we would have been roasting. <sighs> Yeah. And then we came down here into the valley, into the Bosque, and yeah, it's like 10 degrees difference at yeah, least. Yeah, so nice. I, re- I really like this area. This is. And we'll pick up this interview right after a word from one of our sponsors. Hey, Hound Doggers, if there is one thing that you could identify Houndsman XP with, it has got to be the message of building unity and bridging the gap. That's why we are proud to sponsor with a company like Dogs Are Treat. Dogs Are Treat is a company that is based in Ecom, Idaho. It's run by houndsmen. The products were designed by houndsmen. We're talking decades of experience in the field with some legendary hounds doing some legendary work out there. And Kevin Hall has put his decades of experience into building products that benefit you the houndsman so when you're shopping for your gear check out dogs are treat at dogsartreat.com and if you go to their website at checkout and enter the code hxp 20 percent off you will get 20 percent off of your entire order on all of their branded products Leashes, tie-outs, medical kits, paws are protected. Build your pack from the ground up and support a fellow houndsman that supports your lifestyle. Enter the code HXP20% off at checkout. Go to their website today at dogsartree.com. This is my first time being in Las Lunas. I've never been down into like Las Lunas proper. You always just drive oh, by it on yeah. I-25 heading to Albuquerque. It's just an exit off the interstate. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So when I started coming down here... I was really floored at how dense this really is down here. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, nice. and how uh, really ideal, honestly, it is. Yeah. So I was really excited. Yeah, it so. is. It's, it's a great, great area. And there's there's some good... I mean, there's a lot of activities you could do down here besides chase coons. we got some good fishing. And right now, the bass, man, you got these ditches. There's some good spots. You can catch some nice bass. And what were you, When you were boat fishing, fishing, what was your setup? I was using a recurve with yeah. a cheap fin finder spool on it. I was using a Zebco 206. Oh, cool. Yeah, you got a, you're got doing better than I'm doing. Click the button. I, I, I wind <laughs> mine up. <laughs> I, I wanted to do it with my longbow, but my recurve has the stabilizer threading in it. Oh, so yeah. that's where I mounted my, my reel to. But oh, the yeah. longbow doesn't have that. Well, what I did, my recurve doesn't have that. So I made a, uh, I shaped a little piece of aluminum, kind of like this, and drilled a hole in it, and then I taped it. Ah. And screwed the stable and screwed the deal on there, and it works great. And then I got into I started doing that because I hurt my shoulder, and so it's kind of like therapy. Yeah. After yeah. I had shoulder surgery, you're not pulling a heavy pound bow for the bow fishing, are you? Like oh 35, no, 40? thirty pounds. Yeah, that's 25 all you need. Twenty-five pounds. Yeah. Like I started with, I used the compound too. I think I had it set at like twenty-eight pounds or something. That's all you need. Yeah, that's all you need. I mean, Aim you shot your arrow on the rocky bottom if you go any it, pound stronger. Oh yeah. 
that's the problem with my longbow too. It's 65, and I'm yeah. afraid that I'll just shatter those arrows on the bottom. Oh yeah, like the longbow, the recurve I was shooting. I think it's a 40 pound bow, maybe or something yeah, like that, which good. is pretty much ideal. I agree. Yeah. yeah, you have enough kind of penetration to get down there, yeah. like deeper into the water column. Deeper into the water column, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can just walk these canals and just oh, you all day long. It. One season, I took 130 carp out. Nice. Yeah, that'd be so fun. I should, dude, we should do that. Come up here. That'd be I, nice, dude, especially now in the summer and the water's nice and clear. Yeah, exactly. Low. I know some good spots. Dude, I'd be down. Go for the state record. 100%. Did they, didn't they open up game fishing, too, with the bowfish? Can't you do that now? I, I I know you couldn't, but I think they have opened up game fish I mean, to bowfishing as well. I mean, carp are always the most ideal anyway. Yeah, They're well, that's and big and one of the main species you bowfish. Yeah. And they're evasive, so I, I just take them out of the waters and make it better for them. My buddy lives in Georgia, and he has those huge light. Oh, that would be great, man. Yeah. That would be cool on a nice boat and go. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to experience that someday. I really want to take a coon with my longbow. You'll have to come this winter. Let's do it. I got Luminox on it. Oh, so yeah. So you can see the arrow fly. Yeah. And when I miss, we can hopefully find the arrow. <laughs> yeah, it'll stick right in the tree. Sticking up there. Yeah, you tell me. <laughs> then you'll need, like a, you'll need a trained raccoon to go pull it out with its little hands. Yeah. I, 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 believe it or not, we were camped out in uh, Rio Doso once up in uh, Bonito Canyon above Bonito Lake yeah, up there. Yeah. And uh, I, I had my little boy with me. He was like two years old. And I was with one of my buddies, and, and I had this van, this four-wheel drive van, and I'd taken care of the baby, and, and we were sitting outside drinking beer, and 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 my, my son was asleep, and we had this bag of bread hanging on this tree, and all of a sudden, all we heard was that bag. Well, what, what in the world is that? That bag. And my buddy yells out, raccoons! <laughs> and one of them ran straight up the tree. And the other two took off running with a loaf of bread apiece. <laughs> and, they, and they ran. They disappeared in the woods with a loaf of bread. But that one that ran up that tree, um, I got my uh, fur bearers. I'm going to get my bow, dude. And he's like, all right, I'm, I'm taking a coon home tonight. And I stuck that dang raccoon, and it skewered him right to the tree. <laughs> and he didn't fall out. The arrow stuck in the tree Stay with the raccoon on it. And it was about 40 feet up in this ponderosa pine. And I was like, now how? So we start throwing sticks up at <laughs> yeah. it. And, man, and then we figured, oh, well, there's no way we're going to get that raccoon out of that tree. And so we crashed out. And about 5 in the morning, you just hear, whoop. And I'm, what in the world? And I went and looked outside. That raccoon fell all that, off that arrow and right into a camp. Yeah. And the arrow just stayed in the tree. <laughs> and to this day, you can still see that shaft in that tree. And that must have been 10 years ago, man. Dang. That's right. That's crazy, but it's fun. <laughs> bow bow hunting with the coons, it's, it's fun. You know, I wonder how many arrows I'm going to lose, but I don't really care. Yeah, because they just go <laughs> flying if you miss. <laughs> I'm a decent shot. I'm a decent shot, but I mean, I'm not going to say I'm some Robin Hood or Legolas oh, yeah. of the forest or anything, but I, I think I can get you one if they're... You can do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's not awesome. that bad. When, when, I was, uh, when we were kids, we used to shoot a lot of 3D. Oh, yeah. And there was a competition where they had this huge dead ponderosa. And whoever could, at 50 yards, whoever could stick their arrow highest in the tree won. Oh, yeah. So everyone's shooting at this tree, trying to get the arrow as high up as they can. And downrange, it just looked like a medieval battlefield. Oh, all the arrows stuck in the ground. Stuck in the ground. Yeah. (laughs) They they had the same thing. They had this huge open field, and they'd cut the legs off this elk 3D target. Yeah. They wouldn't tell anyone. And they put him out there. It was supposed to be like a long-distance shoot. And since his legs were cut off and you couldn't tell in the grass, it made him look like he was way farther than he actually, actually was. was yeah. And so people were pinning out like 100 yards. And right over him. He was like 55 yards. Oh, and wow. And they would sail those 
arrows like three feet over his back. Optical illusion. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And then that's the thing. Also, man, I want to get you out to see some of my dogs go. Yeah, I want to go see them go. I think that'd be a blast. It's. I really do. I want to get out there with you and go experience that with you. I haven't done much coursing or anything like that. So, man. We're definitely the minority in the hound hunting community. Yeah, we need to push it out there a little bit too more and get the coursing community more involved with the uh, There's another courser in the, in the association. I was actually surprised to hear, oh. to hear that there was, an, you know, Gail. Oh, yeah, Gail, Gail, Miss Gail Goodman. Yeah, yeah, she's a great individual, yeah. And so she's she's the only one that I'm aware of. Is my mind That's the only? just you two. Yep. That's you two are the only coursers I know of in a state. That yeah. Honestly, yeah. You guys are the only ones I know of in a state. There might be a couple of other guys. But there's, I, there's I just haven't had the privilege. It's a real small community. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Very tight. And it's it, it's mostly in the eastern half. Mm-hmm. That's where well, most, most of the good conditions are for yeah. that type of activity. Exactly. Exactly. So, do you, do you have any plans for the future for the Houndsman Club? Uh, for the future of the Houndsman Association, I just want to keep doing what we're doing and pushing and uh, keep having UKC events. We're bringing UKC back to the state of New Mexico. Uh, we used to be, we used to have the regional nationals here. and Here? Yeah, here in the state. We used to, there's a pond down here on this preserve that they closed off that we're not allowed to let our dogs on no more that we used to have water races at and treeing mm-hmm. contests. And we used to have a lot, a good, good turnout. And since it went stagnant for a while, it, it you know, they kind of got forgotten about. And now I've been bringing it back and trying to get the UKC meets going on and trying to get these guys out of the woods, these big game houndsmen out of the woods. Yep. And, and then come to some of these poor boy or great dog hunts that we have. You know, we're making some great meals. I'm Got some nice partners and sponsors, such as like Dogs Retreat, um, uh, Wilderness Freaks, right um, uh, another couple local guys, uh, um, uh, New Mexico Casadores, uh, a good friend of mine, Rick Show. Dude, Rick's yeah. spice blends are beast. I've been meaning to give him a shout out on the show for a long time. Oh like yeah, his backyard grillers, spice packets. Oh yeah, yeah, they're he's, so he's, good. He has the New Mexico Casadores, and they make calls and and do other stuff like that, and. And then he has, runs Backyard Grillers, which is, uh, yeah. he's been on national TV barbecue and stuff up. And he, he offers his own spice mix and everything, and it's, it's just really killer. Yeah, it's man, good. anytime I have a party, I was, like, sprinkling that in. Sprinkle hum- it in hummus. and rub it down, man. Dude, she's in the world. She knows, too. Lizzie, huh? When I, when I cook the, yeah. She's like, thumbs up, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. whatever. <laughs> no. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, Rick, your spices are delicious, dude. When I first came to the Hounds Association first meeting, we were having Lion, too. Oh, yeah, we had Lion Backstrap. That was a lion that uh, Craig uh, Fishbach had harvested and, and donated for the meat. So, yeah, he Rick cooked up the lion, mountain lion fajitas. They're way better than people think. You wouldn't believe how good they were. It's, it's like pork. Better. I mean, it I, was better than pork. It's very it was good. They, no, once they Everybody was skeptical, and once they ate it, nobody could put it down. It's true. I mean, it That's was gone. It we is. cleaned the disco of mountain lion. It was gone. So, have you eaten a coon? I have tried a coon before, yeah. From here? From, yeah, from Naboski in a crock pot. And? Made some stew out of it, and it wasn't too bad. Lauren has eaten her fair share of them. Yeah. But, you know, we had an episode about that, eating if if you should or not. You know, we can. Well, like, you know, everyone has that moral imperative to, like, eat them. You know what I mean? At the same time, I don't know. Like, I don't... Raccoons are kind of... They see them as a... a Trash bandit. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, just kind of a trash can, but you know, and more. Uh, where there's more people and stuff. Of course, there's gonna be eating more trash and stuff. But like, say these ones down here, they're eating mulberries and corn. Yeah. 
that blew me away how many mulberries were down in there. Oh, yeah. Now you I'm could like, come down okay. here and make mulberry jelly for the rest of your life if Absolutely. you come and pick mulberries. <laughs> it was insane. There was like yeah. purple ground. Yeah, the ground is just purple. And it I just bet stains the it. just love that, They too. love it. Oh, man. They just they, they they get in there so thick you wouldn't believe it. I got game cameras here and there, and uh, some nights I got pictures of 12 raccoons on one photo, and it's just like, wow. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, wow, look at them all over there, you know? It's funny, too, because you're the only person, like, like out of 10,000 people, you'd be the only person in the world that has a trail camera out specifically to see raccoons. <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> well, I'm the same with jackrabbits. I go yeah. out on a prairie, and there'll be antelope and elk standing out on the prairie. I'm like, did you see that jackrabbit back there? <laughs> I'm the same way. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm the same way. It's like I put the cameras out, and I'll be flipping through the pictures, and there'll be a bear, and and everybody else is like, "That's bears in the river," and I'm still going, "Look at that big old boar coon on that. Look how fat that coon is." You know, they'll put it back on the bear. Put it back on the bear. <laughs> the bear's blurry. Look at this raccoon. Man. We were driving by the plains of San Augustine, and a huge herd of elk ran across the road. And it was me, my buddy, who's an all, also a courser, yeah. and uh, one of the a rancher that lives up there that was riding with us. And those two are both like, oh man, like admiring those elk. And I was like, do you see that jackrabbit? Did you and see the rabbit? They the, scared. They spooked up. The yeah. rancher, the rancher was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> One track like mind, six man. Six bull and like twenty cows running across the Conditions just like your dogs are, dude. That, those elk, they don't put up a good race like a jackrabbit. <laughs> oh no, no, not at all. Uh-uh, the elk don't. But yeah, like our minds are conditioned like our dogs. You know, we got that one track mind. We're hunting raccoons. Well, they're also just cooler. <laughs> and they're cooler, yeah. They're definitely cooler and more fun, more fun. Then the, the occasional cats, those those are great. So, yeah. so New Mexico's raccoon season's year-round for the, not the harvest, though, right? Just the pursuit season's the year-round, right? Last, until this year, it was year-round. It was a, like an eight-month pursuit season, and we had like a three, three-month kill season or something like that. That's in or, the wintertime, right? Was, yeah, it was usually it would start in November, and it would end in uh, April. Or May in the March, yeah. April, right there, and then this year they've changed it so it's year-round kill season all year. Oh wow! All year. Dang. They say they're having a, I guess they're having an issue with an overabundance oh. of raccoons, and and you know the big part is where the issues are on these big cities like Albuquerque, exactly. where us houndsmen can't go, can't even and manage we can't, our population. we can't help manage the population exactly. to to be healthy. Yep. For everybody, you know. Yep. And so that's totally. probably where a lot of those issues are. Right. And so, I mean, there, I don't think anyone in this world thinks that you're going to strip out the raccoon population with hound hunting. Uh, there's no way. I mean, more raccoons are killed by raccoons than by hound And cars. Hunting. Yeah, cars. Yeah. There are so, more of them are run over by cars than they're shot out by houndsmen. The, the state here just passed that... Um, Roxy's Law. Oh, goodness. The trapping ban on public land. Unfortunately. And, uh, dude, Western Alliance of Wildlife Biologists. Yeah. Outdoor groups, uh, backcountry hunters and anglers. When when biologists are the ones that don't want you to be out there. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, when biologists are the ones that are opposing that law, excuse me, it's like, you know it's a bad idea. It's, you know it's a bad idea, yeah. And so they didn't do no... They didn't do no... Uh, there's people that that put brought that to the table they didn't do no they didn't know have any idea what no, they were talking when about it's called they, roxy's law you know it's totally emotional bs i was so mad and they were yeah, like it's, coyotes. it's an action hippie thing excuse my quote but that's that's those individuals are out there they're action hippies they're just out there to walk their dogs and have fun which they have every right to of be of course 
but it's like when they're saying that like trappers are killing all these coyotes I'm like coyotes more coyotes are killed by cars and by other coyotes than ever by a trapper and even if you took the total trapper catch of the entire state I guarantee it's a fraction of how many are hit on I-25 alone oh probably oh probably. guaranteed yeah. I mean I'm a, I work in the wildlife field I mean there's dude coyotes they're all they have the corridor I call it the corridor I-25 corridor we used to do a lot of coyote hunting off that let's go hit the corridor and yeah. man, it'd be just all I mean, day long 15 miles pull over hunt 15 miles pull over hunt yeah. and every time we'd, we'd shoot one it's just you know and and i've i've debated that people that were pro to that law because i work in a i work in a community where there's a lot of people that are like have no clue about really what goes on in the outdoors you know what i mean oh, they're, yeah. they're like well anyway so and and by the end of it they're like oh you know Maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe it's not that big a deal or, or maybe I, you know, I'm, I'm always open. I respect people that can like hear, you know, sides and kind of mull over what I'm saying, but like, it's just total. Yeah. I, I just, I hate emotional based, like ideologue laws like that. They're just political points. And, yeah. And you didn't and, do And anything. it all comes down to politics. That's exactly. all it is, is politics. There's no fact based information or studies done. And the club the association was super adamant against it. We, oh, yeah? I, and they wouldn't let us speak. They that, wouldn't let us speak. They, we weren't chosen me. to speak. And then a lot, of, a, a lot of the trappers, the Trappers Association, the Mexico Trappers Association, weren't even selected to speak. Which, which they should be selected to speak on behalf of, so of what they're trying to support. So heinous. That, that, oh, yeah. that enraged me. I was so upset because yeah, I just too, got railroaded right through. Exactly. I, I petitioned to speak and I got I got turned away. Yeah, me too. An individual, they were like, "No way." Yeah, I, I petitioned to speak as on behalf of the Houndsman Association, and then I and then I had my son trying to get to speak, and I was gonna just have him hand me the phone. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But no, they, nobody chose. We weren't chosen. Yeah, they, that's I was. They so chose the antis. That they gave the antis more time than. Well. That's what happens when the law was intentionally crafted and sponsored 100%. Yeah. I was really upset about that, and I still am. Yeah, I, I, it's, I, it's not going to think about New Mexico is you're not stopping anybody. I mean, no. the thing is, out in the wastelands of New Mexico, where it's like between Cruces and Deming, and then from the Mexican border north to the Gila, that's like 9 million acres of public land. Yep. And there's nobody out there. Yeah, there's I mean? nothing out there. And so it's like, what? and that's all BLM. Yeah, that's that all beyond land. Every square inch. And it's like you're stopping people from hunt, uh, trapping out there. It's like, why? Yeah. You know? And there was already laws on the books to prevent people from trapping close uh, to off trails. Off of their trails. Yeah. yeah, you had to be so far off your trails, so far off your roads. I mean, it was completely banned in the Sandias where a, a lot of, of foot traffic well, is, which I understand that. Yeah. That's fine. And, you know, that's reasonable. nobody I mean, traps the Sandias anyway. I guess that's the the whole crux of this argument is is even in a state as secure you would think as New Mexico with such a rich outdoor heritage and a, a and farming really, and ranch yeah, heritage a, that's a, that's a tool that a, they took away really um really outdoor centric lifestyle in New Mexico and I mean a huge part of our economy and recreation massive hunter population in New Mexico oh definitely it can still happen it's it like the point happen. I'm trying to make is like it can still happen and it can still you so you need to stay stay aware and and. I think it could be overturned. I really do. There, there's actually a lawsuit been filed against the state of New Mexico by the National Trappers Association or New Mexico Trappers Association, I believe, that are trying to get this fought in court and whatnot in there. There's some really amazing work being done by like allies, you know, Sportsman, Sportsman's Alliance, yeah, Sportsman's Alliance, and, and, and others that are just. I mean, like, I was really inspired by that episode we had about how the Wisconsin Bear Hunter Association has a lobbyist. 
Oh, mean, yeah. We don't have the membership oh, base. Jeez, oh, jeez. I wish some of our meets would look like those warehouses they fill up. Oh, now, that's man. attendees. I mean, those people come out of the woods to support what they love, and that's what we need to do here in the state of New Mexico. We need to get out of the woods and come out and let your voice be heard and, and you know, support what you love to do. Yeah, and that's the problem is it's like we're so rural and spread out is that it's like you a meeting, you drive six hours. I got to yeah, drive three much. and a half hours to get just here. Just to get here, yeah. Yeah. And so people are like, nah, I'll just let them do the fight yeah, for we'll, me. We'll go run dogs. Yep, exactly. I'll go run dogs. And, and, then, and then, uh, then they'll ask me, so what did you guys do? Exactly. Well, I'm one voice. You know, I'll be honest. I was just like that yeah. before I ever got serious. I was. And then I realized it was a wake-up call, you know, when I started actually looking around for real. Because you yeah. just take it for granted. You take it all for granted. You take it all for granted, especially yeah. in the West. Yep. And so when I started learning more about it and hearing the battles that, like, Wisconsin, it's a nonstop fight. I mean, oh, every yeah. year, it's every just tons year. of new laws. And so it's just creeping this way. Yeah. You know, it's creeping in from the West it's and creeping. it's creeping in that's, from the East. That's what's happening. Like Arizona, yeah. they just banned uh, trail camera use. No trail camera use allowed in the state of Arizona. They just passed that. How do you feel about it? You don't? You I, I, I don't support it. I, yeah. I support um, uh, maybe no cellular camera use, yeah. which kind of gives you an upper advantage. But cameras, you got to go back into the woods and check your cards. I, mean, I love trail cameras. I mean, I I do, they're a great tool. Oh my God. And not only are they a great tool, you get some cool pictures. I have just stuff you don't even expect. Exactly. I have you thousands know? of them out at my work. Well, hundreds of them oh, out yeah. of my work. And the things they capture, and it's just random. It's not mm-hmm. even, we don't even have them on hotspots. Oh, just no. open desert. The things you see out there is incredible. And I love truck cameras. Every time you crack one open, it's going to be a, yeah. an adventure. Yeah, it is. It is. So, I, go, I go hit mine open, and it's like 3,000 pigs. Whoa. Yes. And then <laughs> yeah. you find out 2,980 are blowing in the wind. And a squirrel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the ethics debate could literally be non-ending. We could sit here until me and you die from old age talking about oh, yeah. that because people, what is fair and what's not? How many times have you heard that like hunting with hounds is unfair? Oh, all kinds. You know of, all I mean? kinds of times. They, they, they don't understand. People, well, people hate what they don't understand. Exactly. And you can't understand it unless you immerse yourself into it a little bit. Totally agree. You've got to be open-minded you know? enough to allow yourself to go out and do stuff. And go do Try stuff. new things. Yeah. You've got to realize those, these animals, this is what they were bred to do. This is their job. They're working dogs. They're working animals. And they've been doing this for centuries for us. Thousands of years Thousands in my case. and thousands of years. In yeah. your case, I mean, all it's back to the, it starts in the Middle East yeah. with your guys' hounds. I mean, that's a long time well, ago. And I think us, the best way I've had experience with getting people to come out and join us is how, explaining how fun it is for the dogs. Yeah. that's Well, that's what it's all about is hearing that them dogs and... and getting them out there and listening yeah. to them that's the whole thing they talking to you and i think that's our best way is the i think especially in new mexico we already have a pretty rich outdoor lifestyle and rich outdoor communities for at least the new mexico houndsman associations like you know when we have the chance to do those kinds of like outreach things yeah it's showcase like like i think bringing your dogs to those those events those went over genius. really well we had i mean at our booth the, the kids I mean, Jax is adorable. The kids you know that I mean? would come yeah. and just the parents and people were like, what kind of dog is this? What kind of dog is that? Yeah. They, and we they have some good conversations and spread some spots, positive news. And, and it was a great time. Honestly, Perfect. it was a great time. We were asked back and they, they were like, bring your dogs back, Definitely. you know, and because they were just so well behaved and people were like surprised. Some people were like, I just thought the hounds just barked all the time. And it's yep. like, no. Yeah. Even in, the, even in the big game hunting community, it always blows me away how much anti-hound 
sentiment there are. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, even if it's not for you, you got to understand that we need to all be together in this. We need and to I all stand firmly together. believe that. Like I used to just kind of like, eh, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever you hear that. And then you, yeah, no, you need to be, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't trap and I never have trapped, but I stand united. with trappers 100%. Me, I do as well. I stand behind our bow hunters, behind our rifle hunters. I mean, behind I our, too am both of those. Our bird dog guys. Yeah, yeah, I do it all too. I do it all too. I do it all. I enjoy it. I bow hunted for 30 years of my life without picking up a gun. I was 100% strictly bow. And man. Back when you could draw? Back when I could draw a bow. <laughs> no, no, back <laughs> yeah. when you could draw a tag. Oh, when I could, yeah. I know. I started bow hunting when you could buy them over the counter, buddy. Oh, man. <laughs> I used to go get a bow tag at Walmart or or at, uh, geez, what was his name there? Bob Girding's up there in Albuquerque. I used to go there and get a bow tag and cruise up to the Sandia Mountains that same afternoon. Could and you get a, a deer-bear combo at that time? Or was you it could buy over the counters for, for both species, yeah. yeah. And pretty much I cut my teeth learning how to bow hunt in the Sandia foothills. And That's a great spot. Too. In like the 80s. That's a great spot. It's a perfect place to learn how to bow hunt. Yeah. It really honestly is. It's just so many opportunities, so many blown opportunities. Oh, man. You learn, you learn so much. That's it, bow hunting, though. I mean, every – you're going to miss – I was addicted to that. Me too. I That's why I love my to that thrill. I want to get 10 yards away. Yep. And if I can get, get five, I'm going to get five yards away. That's – yeah. Yeah. What, what were you shooting? What bow were you shooting? I was shooting an old PSE uh, Fireflight, is what it was, and it was uh, like a Ted Nugent bow. It was painted with black, white with the zebra stripes on it, and I used that bow. Probably I got that bow in probably 1982, and I used that bow all the way into the mid 90s until I got upgraded to something. Everybody else, oh, fast, fast, fast. They're so fast. It's like, I shoot a deer every year. It doesn't matter how fast my, my bow is. My dad shot when, when 3D was real big and like Matthew's solo cams mm -hmm. were like all the rage. I That's remember when those solo cams came out. Yeah, so my dad shot a Matthew's bow with fingers and just pin sights for ever. That's all he shot. One and of my buddies, no peep sight, no nothing, nothing. just pins and yeah. And fingers. Just, one of my buddies shoots like that. Yep. Yep. That's my dad. And they would drive those dudes crazy. They have like all the crazy releases and the adjustable optic sights and stuff. Too, and too much going on. I and agree. this has to be fixed and this has to be toned in and this has to be tuned more. to this. <laughs> I'm too lazy for that. I just want a stick and an arrow. You know yeah. what I mean? Like a stick with a string and a little feathery arrow. Yep. Uh, I, the longbow has been a blast. I love it. I've no, they're fun. That for a long they're time. They're fun. Yeah, I, uh, my next one I want to shoot is with a fist rest, where the oh, fist yeah. is actually the arrow rest. That's how, my, uh, that's how my recurve is, has that fist rest right there, which awesome. is nice. Well, I want to see you get a coon with it when I come down here. Well, we'll just take them both out there. <laughs> Me and you are just barraging yeah, arrows missing. we'll get one each or something. We've got to make sure they're boars, though. I don't like to shoot them out unless they're nice big boars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well. I mean, okay, so how do you tell in the wintertime? Is it just size, or can you actually see uh, their genitalia? Pretty, I kind of judge by size. You can't really yeah. sex a coon in a tree. I mean, I, mean, I judge by size. It, if it's big, it, that's a boar, yeah. you know, and it just sometimes their heads are a little bit more blocky, I think, mm -hmm. yeah, but sense. I just go by size. It's, if it's I shoot out maybe three or four a year, and they're usually big coons. I'd, I'd like to leave Save the sows to raise the kits. Yeah, of course. So we could chase the kits next year. You know, that's the thing, too, is it's impossible to sex a jackrabbit. Oh, yeah. No, yeah I mean, they're no busting way. out of the brush at 35 miles an hour in the first second, and they're yeah. gone, and you send the hounds, and you hope it's a male. I always hope they're bo boys. Yeah. Because the males, when you kill a female, you're, you know, that's you're just You're taking a, away from next year. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's part of it, and luckily, hares are pretty reproductive yeah obviously they're yes. very famous for that uh, yes and so it's not the end of the world but 
I always prefer a green. I always prefer to go for a male if I can. Oh, definitely. I mean, with anything, I I think that's the way I hunt anyway. Is I I want a male. Yeah. I'm gonna get a big tom or a boar, or, and if not, I'll they they walk. They get so, to go. So one thing I hated when me and, me and Lauren actually did get the dogs treed in one area that was like all willows and stuff. Yeah. Is it true that the coons will go up a tree and walk the tops? They'll go. They'll jump from tree to tree. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually seen them. They'll tree in one tree and they'll jump three or four or five trees over. And your dogs will be treeing on that tree and that coon will be over there three or four or five trees looking back at you. And you see it with your headlamp just aimed and up? And you can see it with your headlamp aimed I've, I've seen them in the daytime when we're hunting in the mornings in a broad daylight jump from four or five trees. Just jump across. Doom, 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 doom. And the dogs would just stay treeing where they were. And then the coon would go down another tree. And I'd have to pull the dogs off and go to that other tree, and then, boom, and then the whole race would be going on again. Going again. It's like, look at that, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be sweet. I'd, yeah. I should love to see that. Jumping, it was crazy. It was like a flying squirrel, man. I bet they're way Colored more athletic five foot than you gaps. think. Oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty resilient and oh, yeah. athletic <laughs> animals, yeah. So what do, you the, what do you think is a common trick they pull out here to try to shake dogs off? Or do you think they just tree and a run? Or I, I, I think you? the common trick that they do on us is they will uh, – They'll jump. They'll jump the tree or they'll try to cross the ditch and get through the water and cross to the other side of the field. It's like, cause my dogs won't, they've been trained to where they won't cross onto that private property, but they'll go in that ditch. Oh, yeah. You know, we'll have some fights in the water, but yeah. I, most of the time I think they'll, they jump on us or they'd go stash in a den. Gotcha. Do you prefer a dog that bays a coon or a dog that catches a coon on the ground? Do you, do, would you rather have one that only bays and will like push the coon up a tree if it's on the ground or do you want a dog that will just catch it? I like hardcore tree dogs. I mean, yeah, that's I, how Lauren is too. Yeah, I like hardcore tree dogs. So if my dogs want to catch a coon on the ground, I mean, that's that's all good. I don't do a catch a lot of another gentleman do, but I don't catch a lot of coons on the ground. I don't know why. Do do, but, do you need a faster dog or a quieter dog or? I think the whole thing is a quieter dog, like Boomer. He's just run up on him. He's real quiet, and the reason why I think he's quiet is because he wants to catch that coon on the ground. Got it. So he won't open up and tell me what he's doing. When he's chasing a coon, so it's like a guessing game until he's treed and he'll bark a little bit, letting me know. And it's like, well, what happened to the race? Yeah, <laughs> you know that's, that's the fun now. part. Now you're treed way over there. Yeah, but yeah, but I think that's why he runs so quiet is because he's trying to catch it on the ground. I got another buddy, Scott. He's got a dog, uh, Jax's brother, Trap. He uh, he's quiet like that too, and he covered ground and he likes to catch him on the ground and mm. and just tear him up instead of treeing instead on of him. putting him up. Yeah, yeah, Lauren's dogs actually like caught the coon on the ground they keep were just them barking at him yeah but you can't dude i walked down into that cattails and they were like the two feet in front of me you can't see them oh yeah you can't see anything so caught thick yes. yeah that was great and the water's disgusting too oh i'm sure those nice stinky were, water oh, dude, those dogs are horrible <laughs> we go home pretty smelly some nights man. oh man yeah and that's the thing that i thought was the coolest honestly the coolest thing about coon hunting i really liked is how you can you were telling me everything Jax was doing just by the sounds that she was making off in the dark oh yeah and i think it's amazing that you can speak like you hound. learn you learn your dog's language and what she what they're doing you yeah. learn they're telling you what they're doing out there Man, that's so cool whether I mean, it's like, getting hotter whether it's getting cold whether you know whether they're on its butt yeah you know I this love is, it. that's yeah. so cool and i feel really i was like hoping i wasn't annoying you guys because the whole time all i could do was just be like what's happening now like what's happening now you know yeah. especially with lauren when it was me and her hunting together oh i bet what are they doing what are they doing and then the cool thing is, is that she would say what they're doing and then i'd look at my gps and that's a, yeah that's, a, that's what they'd be doing that's what they're doing and i'm like Dang, that's so rad. And, yeah. I, and I wonder 
if we've gotten to this next level of like hound awareness because of those GPS collars. I think they're great tools to keep oh. keep your dog safe. I mean, I don't, I don't like to run next to the roads or the bridges but or anything like that. But, yeah, they're definitely – once you got them trained to tone back and, yeah. you know, you get them trained to tone back and they'll come back. You no, know, My dogs will come back no matter what. You, in mind. the middle of a race, they'll, they'll come back. That's if how I Lauren's come dogs back. were. If you, my dogs are on a jackrabbit, <coughs> forget it. They're, they're going. Yeah, they, mine, you're never gonna I can call them off the tree and I can call them off the chase. I hate to do it because sometimes it's – I don't know what they're after, exactly. and I don't want to call them off something that I want them to get on. Yeah, uh, but sometimes it's just like, damn, uh, I'm not going in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> you exactly. Know? Lauren was like, "Oh yeah, um, uh, uh, Ridge was treed, and we walked up to where they were treed, just willow, just oh, a yeah. wall of willows and uh, salt cedars." And there. she was just like, "Nope, I'll stand out here." Mm-hmm. And I went through it. It was the worst experience of my like entire hound hunting life. I've gotten lost on this bosky in the middle of the night doing thick stuff, and then I get to where the point where I, I look at my GPS and think, "Nah, how can that be right? Exactly. My truck's not over there, or the road's not over there." And I'll start wandering around, and all of a sudden it'll be the Rio Grande River. I'm like, "Oh, yeah." The GPS is right, you dummy. <laughs> I got turned around on the hunt. Yeah. I did. I was like, I think it's this way, but we were on that trail, luckily. Yeah. And even still, I was totally turned around. That's, that what trail. Telling, that's what I was telling Liz on the drive up here. I was like, you could get turned around in there at oh, night. Oh, big time. I don't know how big this time. I do it all the time. So I've sometimes I wander just up and down like this, trying to find a road, not realizing, oh, I'm going north and south. Yeah. I need to take a right. And then, oh, look, here's a road. And like, dang, I, you know. I really respect... But don't envy hunting before those collars, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, like our UKC hunts, we're, we can't use the, G- the GPSs. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah no GPS is allowed. So oh, like, yeah, wait. No, I knew that. Duh. Yeah. yeah, we weren't using them. Duh. I didn't yeah. think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was still like, kind of like... The, the poor boy club hunts will, will allow GPS use, but not you can't use them to call your dog's treat or, yeah, yeah, or yeah, anything yeah. like that. But on the UKC hunts, yeah, they right. stay off. I remember, yeah, you guys took them off. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they stay off, and everything's by... You gotta know your dog. Yeah, you gotta know which everyone did. That's what was cool. Yeah, yeah it was I mean, fun. It, it, fun. And even when I everybody knows their own dog and they know what's going on. It's 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 a real blast. That guy, uh, I don't remember his name, but he had the black and tan running in there, and her bark was just so different than Jack's. Oh yeah, she had a. Oh, what is his name? Rex. Yeah, Rex, Rex with yep. Game and Fish. Yeah, Mr. Rex. He's, he has a beautiful black and tan. Yeah. And she's a good little coon dog. He was they kicking were, some butt. They were all catching, they were all treeing quick. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then I'd get there to that. There was scent t- everywhere. Yes. Well, there's mulberries. I mean, yeah, so there amazing. was scent all over everything in there that night. So. Yeah, I heard Chris talking about in his scent episode about like a lot of like slick trees or where the coon was just sitting there eating for hours yeah and then it may have left but that scent is just so stays in that tree so strong and i guarantee that's got to happen in those mulberry stands yeah and then we hit all them community bathrooms yes that <laughs> yeah, was crazy too <laughs> that i knew that javelina did that but i didn't know coons did that yeah and that like, whole log was just mm-hmm. a giant yes, they all go and they use a communal bathroom just and then that way when up. who the next one comes and visits they yeah. know who's been there and who's then done what and what they're up to and oh that's he'll cool. be back about this time and yeah, yeah that's, that's your that's calling crazy, card huh? yeah they're your people. calling card exactly <laughs> i'm glad people aren't like that you go oh, to the me club, too that's that a drag yeah no you just you just graffiti on the wall in the bathroom that's and a, somebody come over your house and just lay one on your porch yeah. oh <laughs> jojo was here <laughs> i'm so glad yeah thanks bud then you'd have to go on top so yep. when they come back next time that's right <laughs> <laughs> man um i'm uh fred was 
Fred was uh, out exploring and having a good time. Has he texted you? Yeah, he's been calling me. Oh, he has? Yeah. I wonder if he's home. He's home. Let's roll. What do you he's think? Home. You got any last things to say, brother? I You got any last it. final thoughts? You got any questions? You got anything you want to say? Dude, your dog skull tattoo is sweet. Oh, the coyote? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's Canid skull. Yeah. yeah, everything on this arm that I have tattooed is I shot with a bow. Oh, sweet. Everything on it. You know, the car bear is that a hobo i'm just kidding yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. hobos are lucky i almost got on the other night with my 40 <laughs> i'm a world record mufflon, mufflon ram i shot one. Oh, sweet uh my elk back there too oh yeah that's badass yeah yeah but yeah that dog school is pretty cool i traded a bicycle for that to this guy john he traded i won't give you a mountain yeah. bike you give me a tattoo okay I once traded a AK for a mountain bike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, heck, man. Let's roll up to Fred's house. We can keep this going, man. I really am, I really uh, appreciate it. And this has been something I've really wanted to do for a long time. But And I'm coming back in the fall. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we're going to let some shafts Yeah, fly. we'll just have to come out. And you'll just have to come out and go hunting with me one good morning, yeah. half a day or something. And just Perfect. go have a blast. And Those, those winter days are easy. You know oh I mean? yeah perfect i mean yeah. you guys, we still hunt in the evening or in the morning but i'll just camp you know what i mean yeah i did that i camped i ended up camping in bernardo by the the by the Sev, just north of Sevietta's border i just pulled oh, my truck yeah. over and just slept in the back of the truck i was so tired oh yeah no doubt. Yeah, that's what i told you you could have stayed up there man. i wanted to get up there because i was gonna go check out some prairie yeah just, just uh like south of the plains of san augustine yep like southeast of southeast those. of there but yeah, too rocky. Too rocky out there. Yeah. yeah, they're nice and flat, but then you got them rocks sticking yep. up it's all It's like that, the that igneous rock everywhere. Mm-hmm. That is a toe crusher. Oh, yeah. You don't want that. Well, dude, I really appreciate this, man. And um, you should you be on the show anytime you want. You'll be on again when we hunt again. But, man, I appreciate, really appreciate it, it. Seth. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Great seeing you.